Welcome to the Ready, Set, CEO podcast. I'm Melissa Froelich, and I'm deeply passionate about helping women create aligned and sustainable businesses. I'm so glad you're here because that means you are ready to start embracing your leadership role as the CEO of your business. Sustainable business growth starts inside ourselves. Stepping into our CEO role allows us to create strategy that is in alignment for us and our own individual and unique businesses. And when it happens, things finally start to feel right. So let's get started. my pleasure today to have Ariana Vernier on the podcast. Ariana is a mama and former elementary teacher turned business mentor for women who want to quit their nine to five and start working from home as a virtual assistant. Ariana was able to ditch the classroom right after giving birth to her daughter and began working from home as a freelancer virtual assistant. Within a very short time, she replaced her teaching income and it is her mission to help other moms do the same so that they can be there to witness all of their child's firsts and build a business that works around their schedule. She is the host of the Ditch the Classroom podcast, where she shares tools, tips, and strategies to help you start your Ditch the Classroom journey and take your income from four-figure months and beyond. Okay, so I am really, really excited today to have a very special guest on the show. As many of you know, I was a teacher before I started in this online entrepreneurial space. Um, Some of you may not know that, but I also end up attracting a lot of teachers into our community. And so I was really, really excited when I got in contact with Ariana and she's going to share a little bit about her own journey of going from teacher to online business owner and somebody who coaches and mentors other people to take that leap from ditching the classroom. So I'm so excited to have you here today. Would you just do a little introduction in your own words and tell us a little bit about who you are also as a person? Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I'm so excited to pour into your audience today. Like you said, I'm Mariana, and I was a teacher for three years. I taught kindergarten. I'm actually originally from Michigan, but I moved across the states to Texas to teach, moved down there for that position. But once I got in there, I had always dreamed of being a teacher my whole life. And then once I saw the realities of it, I knew that it just wasn't who I was meant to be for the rest of my career. And that was really hard for me because I always had this vision of myself as the teacher for the rest of my life, starting from when I was really young. So when I started having these doubts, that was really overwhelming to me. But I knew the number one thing I wanted to be my whole life was a mom. Like teacher was second, mom was first. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to be the mom that I wanted to be. If I was still in the classroom, I wasn't going to have that patience. I wasn't going to have that energy to just pour into my babies when I was pouring into so many other kids every day. So my husband and I had a really long conversation about what it would look like if I were to leave. And we knew that we needed my income to still help us hit our goals for our family, to get debt free, to be able to take vacations and all of that. So the original plan was I was just going to take the first year of my daughter's life out of teaching, and then I was going to go back full time. But that's not how it worked. Um, The day that I went into labor, I found out about the virtual assistant world. And I was like, what is this? Is this something that I could do? Is this like an MLM? Because I had done that before and (laughs) it didn't really work 
for me. So I just started exploring it. And every time my daughter was napping and I just had an extra minute, I was learning all that I could. And I just kind of jumped in feet first and made a lot of mistakes and struggled throughout my journey. But it's been such a blessing. And I'm very happy with where I'm at today and just being able to be the present mom I always wanted to be. Oh, I love that story. How did you find out about it? Like, were you scrolling online or did you hear it on a podcast? Like, where did, where did you first learn about virtual assisting? Yeah, I was just scrolling Facebook while I was literally in the hospital bed waiting to have my daughter. (laughs) And I saw a Facebook ad about it. And I think I had seen on Pinterest about it before when I was like looking at options, because I had considered doing grocery delivery that year I was going to have my daughter home with me or nannying something where I could take her with me and at least make a little bit of income. And so when I was exploring that on Pinterest, I think I came across that term, but I just, it didn't really click until that day that I was in labor. Yes. Okay. Well, I love that. It's not a coincidence by any means. That is is really neat. So, you know, a lot of what I like to focus on is empowering women to step into their leadership role, to see themselves as CEOs of their business. And so as you think about your own journey, let's go back to those early days, maybe when you got your first paying client and where you were at in terms of confidence and mindset. And then tell us some of the things that you did in order to really be able to transcend yourself as more of a leader in your business? Like what did that look like for you? Yeah. So at first with my first handful of clients, I saw myself as more of the employee, like they would tell me exactly what to do. And then I would go and implement it and get paid for that. And it took a while for me to realize that that's not what I wanted this to be like, yes, you can do that as a virtual assistant, but if I wanted to be able to scale my income as much as I wanted to and just be that expert in my space, then I really had to take more control of being the boss, being the CEO of the services that I offered and coming more into the relationship with clients as a partnership rather than like they're the boss, I'm the employee. So this kind of really hit home with, I think it was like my third client. She was not a good fit and she was very draining on me and she was a nice person, but she was just unclear. And because I didn't set the expectations of how I worked up front with her, I found myself working way too much, really stressing about the work that I was doing for her, checking my email when I was supposed to be hanging out with my daughter, even on weekends, like when we're having family time. I was just concerned about her work that I was doing and I was over providing for her, just trying to make her happy and it wasn't really working. And so that's really when I started to realize, okay, something needs to shift here. And then it actually kind of came to a head that Christmas, she wanted me to do some work for her on Christmas day. Oh, and I was a teacher. I never had to work those like two weeks around Christmas. So then when she expected me to do something for her on actual Christmas day, I'm like, okay, like, (laughs) I can't do this. This is not where I'm meant to be. And so I had to have that conversation with her of like, okay, this isn't a good fit. And I just had to restructure 
how I was stepping into that CEO role, that leadership role. And so that took a while to figure out, but it's, it's been really, really worth it. And how has that experience shaped the version of you now, right? Like what boundaries or what communication strategies or what level of confidence do you have now because of that? So now I know that it's okay to not say yes to every single person who wants to pay you if they're not going to be a good fit for the life that you want to live. It's okay to say like, hey, I'm not a good fit, but I'm happy to help you, you know, send you a couple references of people who might be a better fit for you. And as far as the boundaries, I took a long time to get that set up because I've always been like that people pleaser, just want to make everybody happy. And so I really had to kind of shift my mindset around that a lot and set boundaries around when I work. I only work three days a week now because I have my kiddos with me the other four days of the week. And so clients want to work with me. They have to be okay with that. I'm only going to chat with them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And um, I also just set those foundations up front so that it wasn't a question. So as soon as they sign on with me, I would give them a welcome email that told them exactly when I work, how to contact me. They don't get my cell phone number, so they can't just like text me or call me whenever they need to. They have to communicate with me through Voxer. I'm sure you're familiar with that. But just setting those like foundational pieces at the beginning has helped a lot because then if they do overstep a little bit, can just refer back to that email. I have to hold those boundaries for myself because if I'm like, oh, it's okay, I'll just do this the one time, answer their email on the weekend, that just sets the precedent for them to be able to continue to overstep. And so what I do actually sometimes, if I do happen to check my email on the weekend and I see something, I'll respond just so I don't forget because mom brain, but I'll schedule it to send Mm. send like Monday morning. So that way, like my boundaries still held. They're not actually getting the response from me until Monday. Yes. I love that. And also like, we didn't have that years ago, right. (laughs) To be able to schedule and stuff like, this is the best thing ever. I love that. Right. It's not that everything is just always clear or set in stone, right? We also have to have these experiences to figure out how to navigate the future of our business and who we are as a CEO. And I'm sure that that client that you use as an example is a lovely person. And this is not about somebody being bad or good or right or wrong. This is about values match at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. right? And what is important to you and a priority. So how did that piece of it shape your marketing and how you decided who was a right fit and who wasn't for you. And maybe just your, your overall confidence and presence when you were able to say, okay, this person and the way that they do business and desire to, you know, move through life is not a good fit for me. Like what type of inventory did you go through a recon and how did that change how you were showing up and how you were speaking to, you know, prospects and your, your audience, essentially? I think I had to, like I said, I had to shift out of that employee mindset and come to discovery calls and come to marketing my business with 
the knowledge that the right people for me were out there. And it was okay for me to be interviewing them on the discovery calls as much as they were interviewing me. And I would just be really clear and professional on the calls and just say like, I'm only available these days. If that works for you, then that's great. And like I said before, just setting those boundaries up front. But I think one of the biggest pieces for me was just understanding that I was helping their business grow and that I was the expert coming to them with the tools that they didn't have, or maybe they did have, but they just didn't have the time for anymore. And so I had to stop seeing what I was doing for them as like, oh, if if I don't do this, their whole entire business is going to fail. I had to shift that mindset into what I'm bringing to the table for them is going to allow their business to grow if they utilize it. But if they don't, that's not my responsibility. And so that took a lot of the pressure off of me in terms of finding clients because I wasn't basing my success off of their success utilizing what I helped them create. Yes, I love this. I talk about it so much. It's like defining success on your terms, right? Instead of success based on how much output or how many tasks you check off or how many hours you work or whatever it is, but embracing the value of the transformation and the knowledge and all of that. And then staying in your lane, holding, like I'm only responsible for this chunk of everything. And then yes, the client also has a responsibility in this relationship. And that's a big piece of stepping out of that employee mindset more into the CEO mindset. I also have a business that I'm bringing to the table to support somebody else's business. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I can tell just from interacting with you, you also do that in a way that doesn't compromise the client experience. I think a lot of people struggle with this in terms of, okay, I need to have boundaries and it has to be business on my terms, but then they forget that they also have a paying client on the other side of it, right? Right. So talk a little bit about how maybe that example, I love that you said, you know, you may check emails on the weekends, but you're not responding. What other things have you noticed where you're like, I'm still respecting my values and my boundaries, but also I have a paying client on the other end and they may have needs. And so how do you give yourself grace to maneuver some of those gray areas? Because I find that a lot of people get very black and white. Like I've put boundaries in the sand and if I cross them, then I failed, right? So can we talk about like when it gets a little messy and how to still navigate that with confidence? Yeah, one of the things that I implemented as I made this shift was having a really solid workflow. I do website design for my clients. And so I had to create a really structured workflow of when I was getting the tasks done because I do VIP design days. So I build a website in three to five days. And so it's it's pretty structured for me and like what I need for my clients before I start. And I found that having that workflow that my my client is in, they can see every task I have on that list and I'm communicating with them throughout the process that helps them to know that I'm doing exactly what they hired me to do. I'm setting these pieces up for them to be successful. And that's taken some of the pressure of them 
feeling like they have to, you know, have a little bit more of that control because when they can see exactly what I'm working on and when, and I'm keeping them updated throughout the process, that just allows them to breathe a sigh of relief that they don't have to have their hands like micromanaging everything. And I do like on the days I am available to respond, I'm having a lot of communication with them because the way that I've set up my VIP days, I'm only focusing on their project on those days. And so I'm constantly chatting with them, letting them know a page is ready for revision, answering their questions, getting feedback from them. I do allow two sets of revisions per page, but if they do have like one little additional tweak they want to make, like I'm okay with that. It's just when it gets overwhelming, then I'll refer back to the contract and be like, okay, we're done with this page. If you want any additional changes, we can add on another VIP day or a half day. So I do think there's, like you said, it's not black and white. There is a gray area of being a little flexible in terms of what you give to your client. Like if they just need, you know, one additional edit, I'm okay with that. But if it starts to overstep into my family time, that's where I do draw more of that hard boundary. Mm, So good. Thank you for speaking on that, because I think it's important to hear, like, it's going to be a little gray and it's okay that you learn how to navigate that. And it can be, you know, situational in terms of with this client, I handled it this way, but it comes back, I think, to trusting ourselves again as leaders. So let's talk a little bit about that, the the leadership piece of it and the becoming more of the CEO and the confidence piece. What are some things that you've done that have been really helpful that aren't skill set that are developing you as a person that if you can look back and say, yeah, this really changed how I saw myself or changed how I was showing up. One or two things that stand out for you, what would those be? I think the two biggest things for me would be one, implementing a morning routine for myself Mm -hmm. where I focus on just raising my mindset. So for me, that's getting into scripture every morning, doing my positive affirmations, gratitude journaling. And then just sometimes it's even just like reading a book for fun, just to like get my mind at ease and just to go into the workday, like feeling like it's not work, just feeling happy. And then another big thing that's been a huge piece in my journey has been different books in self-development Because when I was teaching, I didn't really know, like, I was just like, oh, self-help books, whatever. (laughs) But really right from the get-go of starting my business, I started picking up these different mindset books and money mindset and all of that. And I think that's been a really helpful piece for me getting to where, to the confidence that I have today is just really taking these ideas and seeing how they can fit with how I want my life to be and starting to implement them. So those have been really, really beneficial for me. Mm, I love that. Okay. So you came into the online space, got some clients, learned some things. Tell me about the shift into more of the coaching and mentoring side of your business and what that looks like today, but also I'm going to guess there was some imposter syndrome that came up with that as well. So yeah, let's go to that definitely. phase. 
So like I said, I was a teacher and just making this shift and being able to be home with my one kiddo at the time, I had so many of my teacher friends just like, how did you do this? Please teach me. And I just really felt like I was being called to help other teachers who are no longer happy. I'm not saying like everybody needs to quit teaching. If you're happy there and you feel like that's where you still belong, like I want you to still stay there and get the support you need to continue to be a great teacher. But those teachers who just feel stuck and like they don't know how to get out, but they really wish they could. I wanted to be able to help those teachers because that's how I felt. So I started I started with one-on-one coaching and helping a few teachers start their business, but I did struggle a lot with that mindset piece there of like, okay, I just started doing this myself. Who am I to teach someone else when I'm like still making mistakes? But a coach that I had at the time that was really helping me get my coaching business up and going she said something that's always stuck with me. And it's, you don't have to know everything in order to be able to help somebody. You just have to be one or two steps ahead of them and just holding their hand and helping bring them up with you. And that's always been really helpful for me. Those times where I'm like, okay, who am I to help this person and help them in this journey? I just have to remember I don't have to know everything and it's okay if they ask me a question and I don't know what the answer is. Like we can figure it out together. And part of that coaching relationship too, I think, is not always giving them the direct answers, but helping them figure out how to get that answer. So good. I am, (laughs) I'm glad that you brought that up, the not having to know everything, right? I think that that's important to remember at every stage of the journey. I work with so many women who desire to step into consulting, get away from implementation, do more strategic consulting. And then that's the piece of it is like, Ooh, then the imposter syndrome creeps in and who am I to do this? I don't know enough yet. And really they do, it's coming back to like, all right, let's do some, some work on this little bit right here so that you can actually get that momentum to move forward. Were there any things that were extra helpful for you? Like, did you find that the affirmations were great at getting you kind of moving forward? Was it more of like doing some type, like, are there any tangible exercises that helped you realize I do know enough right now to get started. I think 100% the affirmations helped me a ton. I didn't know that that was the thing before jumping into the entrepreneurial space, but writing down things that I connected with, and I have this piece of paper that I look at every single day, pretty much, I think at least five days a week, if not more, that I read every single morning and It's just helped me to feel more confident. And when I wrote those down, I tried to, even if I wasn't there yet, I tried to write a statement that I still believed I could get there. Because I think sometimes with affirmations, people write things that they don't actually believe could happen. And that's not really helpful. So for me, it was about writing things that, yes, it may not be here yet, but I know it could be here one day. So good. Yes. You need to believe it to some degree. And the other thing I like to remind people is if it's a big goal, like let's say that you're like, I want to replace my 
teaching salary in the first year, but you're like, I don't actually believe that's possible. I'm learning to embrace that I'm capable of replacing my teaching salary within the next year, right? It doesn't have to be that I have already done this because that might seem way too stretchy for you. And then it's just a task that doesn't have a purpose. And so how do we, so affirmations can totally be that you're learning to accept a belief or you're learning to adopt a belief or you're learning a new whatever version of yourself. So don't make it again, be black and white that you already have to see yourself as this, you know, next version. I remember when I started doing affirmations around a really, really stretchy money goal that I had that I didn't believe was actually possible, but everybody else was telling me it was possible. And so I'm like, well, I got to do something, right? Because there's this disconnect. So I started writing in my five minute journal that I'm building a sustainable, you know, insert the money amount there business. It wasn't that I have a successful multi six figure business. Like I couldn't, like I wasn't there yet. And that was, that was too much of a gap for my brain, but that I was building that. And then I remember 90 days later, looking at that same affirmation that I'd written for 90 days and being like, oh my God, it's going to happen this year, you know, but 90 days prior, not even in the realm of possibility in my brain. So I was Mm -hmm. like slowly starting to open it up to that. This has all been so, so good. So talk a little bit before we wrap up today about what the CEO version of you looks like today and the things that you really would encourage other people to embrace right now, like no matter what stage of the journey it's at, like, what is one thing that you would say, like, I really, really want you to pour into doing this, whatever it is to start to embody and, and feel like a more confident version of yourself as the CEO of your business. Yeah. So I think the CEO version of myself has her cup full in all areas of her life. I think when I first started this journey, I focused a lot on business. And like I said, I started this when my daughter was a newborn. Sometimes I found myself working so much that I was like forgetting to pay attention to this little baby I created next to me. And once I realized like I left teaching so I could pour into her I had to shift how I was doing business that way as well. So yeah, having your cup full in all areas, I think is so important. And if you start to feel like you're spending too much time on your business, then you have to look at those boundaries again and say, where am I not holding firm to these so that I can pour into my family so I can fill my own cup, spend personal time making myself happy and just all of the different areas. And I think, so what I want to say to the other people who are working on their CEO mindset is to start building those boundaries. And you don't have to have like a whole infrastructure of boundaries set up like right off the get-go, but start with something little. Maybe it's that you don't touch anything about your business on the weekends. Maybe it's that You have one day a week where you don't work at all and you're just spending it with your family. Like what's going to fill up your cup in those different areas and start trying to set those boundaries to maintain those, those Mm -hmm. cups. So good. And thank you for reminding all of us that it's not an exercise of creating a boundary and then it's done, right? We've got to continue to look at 
where do I need to turn up the electric fence a little bit? Or how do I shift these, right? Because life is fluid and it's an evolution of different experiences. And when you set boundaries the first time, maybe you only have one child and then you look up one day and you have two and three dogs and whatever the thing is, you're like, Ooh, I need to change these a little bit more. Right. So just knowing that that's part of the journey as, as the CEO of your business is, is looking at what you've created and seeing where you need to make adjustments. And that's totally normal. All right. So this has been amazing. I want to take the last couple of minutes to have you share with the audience about how you support teachers coming into the online space, specifically through the virtual assistant world and how people can work with you, how they can connect with you. So tell us a little bit about what you do and where we can find you. Yeah. So thank you for that. I actually have a program that teaches teachers how to start their virtual assistant business, and it's called Teacher Turned Virtual Assistant. You can find all the info for that at teacherturnedvirtualassistant.com. It's 10 different modules that walk you through the mindset piece, because that's so important, and just all the different implementation, like actual tangible task pieces of starting your virtual assistant business. And then I've also got a book for those teachers who are feeling that call out of teaching, but they just don't really know how to figure out what they're meant to do outside of teaching. And so that book, it just released actually in February. It's called Teacher Turned Dot Dot Dot, and it's Uncovering Your God-Given Purpose Outside of Teaching. So there's that. And if you're just wondering if virtual assistants like could be a good fit for you, I do have a free workshop as well. And that's at arianavernier.com forward slash free dash workshop. And I go through the five different P's you need to become a successful virtual assistant and replace your teaching income. I love it. Congratulations on the book, by the way. That is really, really exciting. Well, thank you. you so very much for taking time out of your busy, busy week to just pour into my community. And I am looking forward to continuing to get to know you more and hopefully do some more fun collaborations in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. It was truly a pleasure to spend time with you. If you're not already part of our free community on Facebook, please join me inside of the Uplevel Lounge. You can also check out melissafrolick.com or follow along on Instagram, melissafrolick underscore biz to find out the most current ways that I can support you in stepping further into your CEO role right now.